Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and we're so glad you joined us again for this uh, next episode of Sandy Rios 24-7. And this episode will be part two with attorney John Eastman. John uh, was the attorney to President Trump who defended him and advised him over the 2020 election. Uh, John was that guy in a hat on the stage on January the 6th talking to the crowd. And you're going to hear his uh, the, the remarks he made in just a minute to refresh your memory. Pretty interesting stuff. And since then, John has been nothing but punished. And it's getting to a crucial point where they want to take away his law license. And yet, and yet, ladies and gentlemen, he is a happy warrior. He just keeps fighting and he keeps fighting back with the facts. And it's pretty, pretty inspiring. And so you're going, going, to, you're going to want to hear part two with John Eastman. But let me just first of all say thanks to Preborn and thanks to you. Thanks to you. Thanks to you for your generous donations to help save the lives of babies. You know that Preborn does that through ultrasound. It's that incredible, sophisticated machine where you can actually see the baby's heart. You can see the gender of the baby. I hate to use that word. They've so polluted it, but you know what I mean. It was God's idea. You can see if it's a boy or a girl. Uh, and so when moms and da- moms especially do that, and they're questioning whether they want to carry the baby almost uh, all the time, they decide to keep the baby. It's pretty amazing, and that's what preborn provides for women who are questioning their pregnancy. It's $28 to provide one ultrasound for one woman. And if you would like to help us, because many, many people are listening and they are helping, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, that's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, let me remind you some of the other things. You know that if you want to listen to this broadcast, you are, you've, got your, you've got to figure it out if you're listening to this, but some of your friends might not. And if you want to tell them, they can get this on any podcast platform, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Amazon, uh, or you can go to AFR.net, which is home base for us. That's AmericanFamilyRadio.net. And you can listen. There's also an app you can download, AFR Talk. It's an app you can put on your smartphone, and you can listen anywhere, anytime, at your convenience. Let me also say that we have a website, sandyrios.com, that has some interesting information that you might enjoy. Uh, we'll uh, talk about events that are coming up there. We'll, at some point, be posting more things than we have been. But it's also got a mailing list that you can join. So go to sandyrios.com, and we will be able to you know, send you out information about things in the future that are happening. If you'd like to email us, you can go to sandy at afr.net, sandy at afr.net, or you can call us, leave a message, or ask a question at 662-821-2040. And last but not least, you can find us on the social media platforms, you know, pretty much all of them, Rumble, uh, YouTube, Truth Social, Getter, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Okay, so you can find us there. And uh, I think that's enough. I think, did you get all that written down? (laughs) Okay. Well, this is going to be a fascinating conversation. So sit back and relax. This is day two with attorney John Eastman. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. 
Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. We've got petitions pending before the Supreme Court that identify in chapter and verse the number of times state election officials ignored or violated their state law in order to put Vice President Biden over the finish line. We know there was fraud, traditional fraud, that occurred. We know that dead people voted. But we now know, because we caught it live last time in real time, how the machines contributed to that fraud. And let me, as simply as I can, explain it. You know the old way was to have a bunch of ballots sitting in a box under the floor, and when you needed more, you pulled them out in the dark of night. They put those ballots in a secret folder in the machines sitting there waiting until they know how many they need. And then the machine, after the close of polls, we now know who's voted and we know who hasn't. And I can now, in that machine, match those unvoted ballots with an unvoted voter and put them together in the machine. And how do we know that happened last night in real time? You saw when it got to 99% of the vote total and then it stopped. The percentage stopped but the votes didn't stop. What happened, and you don't see this on Fox or any other stations, but the data shows that the denominator, how many ballots remain to be counted, how else do you figure out the percentage that you have? How many remain to be counted? That number started moving up. That means they were unloading the ballots from that secret folder, matching them, matching them to the unvoted voter, and voila, we have enough votes to barely get over the finish line. We saw it happen in real time last night, and it happened on November 3rd as well. And all we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at 1 o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this so we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. We no longer live in a self-governing republic if we can't get the answer to this question. This is bigger than President Trump. It is the very essence of our republican form of government, and it has to be done. And anybody that is not willing to stand up to do it does not deserve to be in the office. It is that simple. Our guest today uh, for the second part is John Eastman. And John, John's one of my heroes. He was President Trump's attorney during the January 6th uh, issue. He was on the stage with President Trump, and as a result of that, uh, he lost his positions at Chapman Law School. Uh, He was actually shunned by the Federalist Society and personally shunned, I know, by lots of attorneys. Maybe we can get into that. Friends, former friends, because this is the big lie, you know, that there was a problem with the 2020 election. But I think the final blow, well, we hope it's the final, but I hope it's not final. Uh, The Bar of California has brought charges against John. Let me use the verbiage here by uh, the Washington Examiner. A state bar regulators in California filed for disciplinary action against Eastman. Uh, they say on Thursday, but that was, a, that was recently. They accused him of undermining democracy by formulating legal strategies to overturn the presidential election in favor of former President Donald Trump. Uh, The State Bar of California's Chief Trial Counsel, George Cardona, said, there is nothing more sacrosanct to our American democracy than free and fair elections and the peaceful transfer of power. 
The notice of disciplinary charges alleges that Mr. Eastman violated this duty in furtherance of an attempt to usurp the will of the American people and overturn election results. All right, John, we have a whole new discussion here. You, you touched on it in the last discussion, but now we're going to get more detailed. And if you don't mind, uh, I my husband, Bruce, is a former FBI agent. He's retired. He was an, an attorney. He went to University of Illinois Law School, by the way. You went to University of Chicago, so rival Illinois schools. Uh, but Bruce has, of course, been following your story, and I want to bring him into this discussion, John, uh, to ask you some questions. Uh, good morning, Mr. Eastman. Sure. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, good morning, t- Thank you. It's, yes. Um, I have taken the liberty of reading the charges leveled by the uh, disciplinary court in uh, of the bar in California, and I have to tell you that, to me, it's very disturbing. It appears more like um, a censuring of you or attempted censuring of you for your ideology or your thoughts instead of your actions. Um, I think any attorney that would read this complaint uh, should be very chilled that uh, unless you go with the, um, you know, the thought of the day of the Bar Association, then you risk losing your license. We all know that have practiced law that the number one duty you have as an attorney is to your client and to advise them uh, what is in their best interest. You do not advise them to break the law, obviously, but you advise them their options and what they can do. And I have seen nothing in here that uh, says to me you did anything other than that. Well, and, and that 35-page complaint, uh, 82 paragraphs, 11 counts, uh, in almost every single paragraph, there's a false statement. So the people that signed that complaint are actually guilty of violating the ethical obligation of candor to the court and not making misrepresentations that they falsely accuse me of making. And we will we will point that out certainly in the course of, of the trial. But I've already pointed out at length, um, and uh, because during the course of the investigation, they sent me the most extraordinary investigative demand letter I've ever seen, 38 single-spaced pages of uh, basically saying, identify every bit of evidence and every communication you had to support every assertion in every brief you filed on behalf of the president, in every public statement of May you made, in every article you published, um, you know, we want every bit of information, every bit of evidence that you relied on in support of that. Uh, and it took me months to, to assemble what, you know, over the course of two months in late 2020 uh, had been a frenetic litigation pace. And all of the information, uh, once I became known to the world as President Trump's attorney after we filed uh, the action to intervene in the Texas suit in the Supreme Court, uh, I became the name and email address that people could reach out to with all of the evidence they had uh, that they had seen with their own eyes and their own jurisdictions. And so I spent months assembling all of that for the bar in a comprehensive 100-page response you know, that also incorporated by reference, case law, affidavits, uh, expert reports, thousands and thousands of additional pages of supporting evidence for every statement I made. And it didn't move them at all. Uh, they went ahead and, and filed these charges, despite knowing all of that evidence being there. And their allegations say that he, there was no evidence. 
I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's surreal. Well, you, what, you know what, what about all the evidence me. that I just showed you? Did you did you not bother to read what I gave you? And of course they did. Um, uh, they just ignored it, uh, and what, and, and because because it's contrary to the narrative that they want to further. It's contrary to this farce of a January 6th committee narrative uh, that, that, that they want to further in order to block President Trump out from seeking re-election. Uh, and anybody that dares raise the facts, uh, even if they're contested facts, you know, Bill Barr says there was no fraud. I say there was. Well, let's have an adversarial process to test who's right on that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we never got that. It's, it's what I call this pernicious fact check uh, tactic that, you know, like, and they've used it against Dinesh D'Souza on his movie, uh, 2000 uh, Mules. Uh, you know, somebody who doesn't know anything about the evidence will say, well, Dinesh's, Dinesh's methodology is incorrect. The other news account says Dinesh's movie has been debunked. Not that it's been challenged and we ought to look at both sides of it and see who's right. It's been debunked and we don't have to talk about it anymore. And, 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 and this is the mentality that the bar complained. Well, Bill Barr said that there was no evidence of fraud and therefore Eastman must be wrong. And therefore he must be lying when he says there was. I mean, this is, this is not what the adversarial process is supposed to be. Yes, so it's and, not and, just a challenge to my ability to retain my bar license, but it is a challenge to the very adversarial process that our entire system of justice is based on. We don't just let people, based on hearsay, say X, and therefore Y is disproved without any, ever having to test it, without ever having to cross-examine it. And, well, I and think yet, that's, that's, the, that's the position we find ourselves in. I think that's the biggest irony here, is you have this bar complaint uh, basically asking you to prove your innocence rather than making an assertion of what you've done wrong. And we all know the bedrock of our system is if you're going to accuse somebody of something— uh, you need to have the proof. The person does not have to disprove or prove that he is uh, innocent. And it, for a bar association that's so concerned about the Constitution, I read in here where they, uh, they said that for California attorneys, adherence to the U.S. and California constitutions is their highest legal duty. And to me, what I'm seeing in this complaint is that the Bar Association has done exactly the opposite of that and assumed your guilt and told you, well, prove us we're wrong. Assume my guilt and, and prove us we're wrong. Uh, 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 among the charges are statements I made on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room uh, uh, Zoom program uh, or articles that I published. That's a real serious threat to the First Amendment, um, uh, freedom of speech. Uh, my advice to uh, to the Congress to delay proceedings to allow the state legislatures to assess the impact of illegality, that's what you call petitioning the government for redress of grievances. This was a huge grievance, and we were asking the government to look into it, to do something about it. Uh, that's constitutionally protected. But another one, the Sixth Amendment, the right of my clients to have zealous advocacy by their lawyers is being threatened by this bar. And, 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 and I want to give a couple of examples um, where on its face, the bar complaint is contradictory. They says that I made a false statement um, when, I, when I claimed on that uh, January 6th speech that Sandy played at the outset of the program, 
that we we know there was some traditional fraud, dead people uh, voting. Uh, they they say that that was a false statement in the complaint, but later in the same paragraph, they acknowledge that there were dead people that voted. They then they then make it sound as if I had said there were more dead people that voted that could have affected the outcome of the election. Of course, that's not anything I ever said. Dead people voted is all I said. And it's true. They admit it later in the paragraph, but they say that I made a false statement. Um, the other thing, <laughs> uh, they, they say I relied on scholarly articles uh, about the authority of the vice president. Uh, and yes, I did. And then I also relied on all of the historical records that those scholarly articles relied on. But they said I knew or should have known or was it negligent in not knowing that some of those articles were fundamentally flawed. Now, think about that. I, uh, I, I believe it's fair to say that I'm one of the leading uh, conservative, uh, I'm one of the leading constitutional scholars in the country, certainly one of few from the conservative side of the political aisle. Uh, and and I know this scholarship and I know this constitutional system better than these uh, couple of investigators in the California bar. But they've made the determination that the articles I relied on, they don't say that I falsely misrepresented them or I said they say things that they don't say. They said I should have known that those articles were fundamentally flawed because they've determined that they were. And again, this is the mentality I'm talking about. We're the government. We've decided what's valid and what's not. And how dare you question us? Uh, this is this is the you know from paragraph paragraph from the very beginning to the very end and every paragraph in between. This is the kind of false assertions they make in this complaint. And and yet in this complaint, they are if they take away your law license, you you can't practice law anymore, John. Do you have another question? Honey? Uh, Yes, uh, Mr. Eastman, I was wondering if, if you could just explain the process a little bit of what you're facing, like who, who will hear the case, who decides, what's the burden of proof, um, those kind of... So in, in, every, in every state, there's a different process. In California, uh, there's, you know, it turns out anybody can file a complaint. And I, and I want to make very clear that none of my clients filed a complaint against me. None of the opposing counsel filed a complaint against me or the opposing parties. This was this was a, a third party interloper uh, who, who's a hyper partisan group uh, uh, filed this complaint against me in California. The similar complaint complaint filed against me in uh, the Supreme Court of the United States by the 65 Project, another hyper partisan group. They claim to be bipartisan because they've got one virulent anti-Trump uh, Republican on their board. Uh, uh, and, and they actually have admitted that their goal is to make it impossible for conservative uh, conservatives to have election lawyers in in the future, uh, and to shame those people in their communities so that nobody will be willing to take on these cases in the future. That that clears a path for fraud that cannot be contested, and I think that's the broader broader goal here. Anyway, this third party interloper files a complaint by law in California. If the if they can, you know, they conduct an investigation on whether there's any merit to the complaint, that investigation process is supposed to be confidential and only be disclosed to the public if they decide to proceed with formal charges. Well, last March, on the evening before a major brief in my litigation against the January 6th committee was due by the January 6th committee, the uh, chief, the chief prosecutor, trial counsel of the state bar, announces publicly that he was engaging in a in a in a investigation of me, 
uh, citing an exception to the confidentiality law that, that says they can make it public if they deem that, that the lawyer under investigation is a threat to the public. And they, and they made that determination uh, with a straight face. I, I mean, it was stunning. And the very next day, the fact that I was being investigated by the California bars is featured prominently in the brief that gets filed by the January 6th committee. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. <laughs> uh, but this is the kind of thing we're dealing with. Now, now that they filed the public charges, which, which they did recently, um, we will have a right to answer the complaint. There will be some dispositive motions, motions to dismiss, uh, those kind of things. There will be some limited discovery, and then there'll be a full trial uh, if the dispositive motions are not successful. And at that full trial, it's, it, the normal rules of evidence don't apply, or I should say are relaxed which means they can introduce hearsay evidence um, and, and these kind of things. And we'll have to fight that trial. And all of that has to go on on a very compressed timetable. A trial of this magnitude uh, in, in the civil courts often would take a year or more uh, in preparation and discovery and depositions of witnesses and those things. This all has to occur by law within 125 days. Wow. And, uh, and so it'll be very, a very truncated uh, process. Uh, a very intense process. We'll have to we'll have to put a lot of lawyers on the team to be able to handle it. And Sandy, thank you for referring people to my my uh, legal defense fund site. They can help there. GiveSendGo.com/Eastman, or even easier, people can just just Google John Eastman Legal Defense Fund, and it'll come up. Okay. John, let's uh, get personal just for a second. I, I, I alluded. Now, uh, let me just say to all of you listening, you will want to hear the first uh, part of this interview with John so that this makes even more sense to you what we're talking about. But uh, this is fascinating stuff. It's very upsetting stuff. So a couple of questions, a quick question, then I want to get personal with you. Have they disbarred anyone else? I know they've floated it. They talked about Rudy Giuliani. They talked about other attorneys that they've harassed who have supported President Trump. Uh, you know, one of them, what, who was like a, the FBI visited and they stripped him down to his underwear and he was out in the street in the neighborhood. Uh, the, the attorney in the, in the White House, his name escapes me. But have they, have they taken away bar uh, um, any kind of credentials from any attorney so far besides trying to do this to you? Well, uh, so uh, Rudy Giuliani had his license suspended even before they did the investigation and had their, their hearings, uh, suspended because, because they, they deemed him to be a threat to the, the public as well. Uh, this, I mean, th- we, we, we live in a surreal world. Um, uh, but, but the rest and the 65 project has been very aggressive. They've, they filed bar complaints against lawyers all over the country who worked on any of the litigations. Uh, Ted, Senator Ted Cruz, who was just, Per, per, you know, had been tapped to be considered to argue the Texas case in the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court took it up. But that was enough. He has a bar complaint. Ben Paxson, the Attorney General of Texas, um, uh, uh, Margot Cleveland, uh, in response to the bar complaint filed against me, points out that given that bar complaint, the California bar's standard would would disbar uh, Ken Paxton and 18 other attorney generals around the country, as well as Senator Ted Cruz. I mean, th- this, this is hyper-criminalization uh, of a partisan dispute uh, where the, the, the left is deciding that they're the only ones that are allowed to speak out against election fraud. I mean, I haven't seen any of these complaints 
filed against what we know to be a false hoax that Trump was elected because of Russian interference and that he colluded with Russia. That was false from the get-go. Everybody knew it, and yet they continued to, pu- to pu- push that false claim with illegal campaign contributions, uh, money laundered through Perkins Coy Law Firm to hire uh, this Fusion GPS outfit to make these phony charges and then collude with the FBI, uh, doctor evidence to get FISA warrants to spy on the opposing political candidate, the greatest political scandal in our nation's history. Of course, nobody has suffered any significant consequence. One guy that actually did the doctoring of evidence in that got his hand slapped, uh, and he retains his bar license. So I mean, the, the level of double standard here is is stunning. Uh, and yet, again, it, it furthers the point I've been making all along. Um, we have now entered a realm where the government decides what's acceptable speech and belief. And if you dare to question them, they will attempt to ruin your life financially, criminally, uh, license-wise, whatever. And the only way to push back against that is to stand up to it and to stand up to it hard uh, and to be forceful and accurate and scrupulous. I mean, people, if they go to my if they go to my Legal Defense Fund website, they will see a link to my Substack page where I posted the 100 page response we did to the bar investigative letter. And it documents all of the evidence that was there. People can look at it. We had a press conference to to go into all of this. And a lot of the major media were there, Associated Press, Wall Street Journal, CBS, NBC. Uh, they were all there. Uh, National Law Journal, Law, Law uh, 360.com. They were all there. Not a single one of them asked a question. Did they even cover it? Did they cover it? Evidence we respond. Did, 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 John, did they even cover it? That's why I didn't see anything. I mean, when I Google, I didn't. See, I mean, that doesn't mean there couldn't be some exceptions. No, no. no. Of, course, of course, the fact yeah. that the bar complaint was filed made made national headlines, international headlines. Some of them false. For, Forbes's headline says Eastman disciplined by the bar. That's false. Uh, charges have been filed, but there has been no discipline. So they've got a false statement in the headline, uh, and, and then of course that gets picked up by. Uh, yes by uh, MSN and all the rest of the stuff. Um, uh, but they, but, but, but they, they refuse to look at the response, at the citation crossing the T's and dotted the I's of all of the evidence that proves the complaint to be wrong. They refuse to even look at it, much less cover it, because the narrative was the lead story and it's out there and they don't want anybody, anything challenging the narrative. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, this is my this is my non-legal view of this, John. So find the holes in it. It seems to me that you know your position. We go back to our discussion earlier on uh, part one of this discussion. Uh, your the, the sin that you committed was that you made the argument to President Trump that the electors there was so much turmoil in the election. And states were clamoring, many states were clamoring for more time, and there were dueling electors, and it was a confusing time. And you said, constitutionally, the vice president, you felt, could actually hold off certifying until some of this was sorted out at the behest of the states. Um, and so that's like a, an opinion on the Constitution, also on precedent and historical precedent. So that reminded me very much of this piece of uh, this uh, Supreme Court decision called Roe versus Wade, which for you know generations, uh, decades anyway, we have uh, we we've been forced to uh, accede to the notion that there's a right to abortion in the Constitution. Now suddenly, the Supreme Court found that there wasn't a right to abortion in the Constitution. Does that mean that everyone, every attorney? 
who believed that Roe versus Wade was provided for in the Constitution should be disbarred because they're, they were wrong, because now this Supreme Court has said it, there is no constitutional right to abortion. Isn't that the same thing? Well, it, it is. Uh, you know, when there's unsettled law and disputed questions of fact, um, our adversarial process is supposed to let both sides put their case on in order to try and get to the truth. Um, uh, the, the position we now find ourselves in is the government or the, the kind of elite establishment uh, cabal of, of, of media and social media and major corporate and government will decide what the truth is. And if you have a counter view, we don't need to test that. We just need to say that it's been debunked. And, you, and if you persist in trying to prove your case, then we're going to we're going to kill all you. We're going to we're going to run you through the mill. And uh, and and so that nobody else will stand up to, to, against us in the future. Um, and, and this is the mentality, unfortunately, that our government has developed. I, I, I remember um, uh, uh, <laughs> a New York Times story. President Trump was dissatisfied with the fact that the Justice Department wasn't actually do investigating any of the illegality and fraud in the election that everybody was witnessing. And so he wanted to put in an attorney general who would, you know, do the investigation, not come with a predetermined notion, but do the investigation. And the New York Times did a front page story, made it sound like that was some cabal uh, because he was trying to put in somebody uh, of his own choosing into the head of the Department of Justice, contrary to, the, you know, the, 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 the bureaucrats views of what ought to happen. Well, we didn't elect any of the bureaucrats. The president is the head of the executive branch, and he gets to put in as a ta- acting attorney general who he wants. The same type of thing happened with with the whole Ukrainian impeachment scandal. Uh, the president was concerned about illegal conduct by officials in the United States threatening Ukraine to stop an investigation of a company on which Hunter Biden was sitting on the board. And uh, the intelligence community had made certain assessments about that that the president disagreed with. So the president went against the intelligence community. The intelligence community had spoken, and I guess the president was just supposed to bow to them because he works for them, after all, um, according to them, rather than the other way around. I mean, this is the mentality that our government has now developed. Our unelected government, the, the, we call it the deep state, the, the entrenched bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, have decided that they run things. And these elections are just kind of things, you know, just kind of show about who's going to be out there uh, reading from the teleprompter uh, every month. But, but the real government, it doesn't change. We control things. And the better, the sooner the American people uh, get with the program, the easier everything will be. This is, this is the threat. And it's a huge threat. And and I tell you, it's going to take a lot more than me standing up to it to push back against that threat. But I am heartened by the both financial support, but every bit as much by the prayers that people send on that on that legal defense fund site. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I read them. It you know when 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 we have a downtick in our in our uh, in our ability to deal with those, this stuff because it does wear on you. Uh, th- those those prayers are heartwarming and encouraging, and uh, I, we encourage people to do that because it helps. Yes, and that you can do that. By the way, uh, this is John Eastman, and you can go to givesendgo.com/eastman, givesendgo.com/eastman, and help John and his wife and his kids um, because uh, they're fighting the good fight. 
And it's a lonely fight because a lot of people have deserted them. And that's an issue we didn't even get into, but that's probably the most painful thing. These, it's one thing for leftist groups to come after him, but it's a very different thing for your own friends to stand down. All right, so this has been an incredible story. Our guest has been John Eastman, and if you would like to read more about it, of course, he has a substack. You can access that at John Eastman uh, at GiveSinGo.com. You can find out his, his substack and get more information if you want to share it with your friends. But John's family could use your prayers. They could use your financial support. John, we just uh, pray that you will, you've been an inspiration to so many people. And uh, your team, your legal team, deserves so many kudos for taking the courage to actually defend you. So thank them for us for doing that. And thank you so much for giving us so much time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Sandy. And uh, thanks to all your audience for whatever help they can give. And to keep up the fight, people. Uh, we've got the greatest nation in the history of mankind. And uh, we are at the precipice of losing it. And it only takes good citizens to stand up uh, to make sure we preserve it and are able to pass it on to our kids and grandkids. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. Well, that wraps it up uh, with day two with John Eastman. I hope you found that as fascinating as I did. You know, it was interesting, Bruce, um, uh, this is my husband, Bruce, who joins me uh, most every day on the podcast. So what he said about Bill Barr is interesting because, you know, that article came out all oh, just a few months ago that exposed the fact that Bill Barr, remember, he made this big declaration that there was no reason to doubt the results of the 2020 election. There was no aberration, no illegality. It was amazing. And now uh, he's been exposed for a fraud on that. Yes, it's just come out that... Uh... Not only did, well, the main thing is that Bill Barr never followed up on these investigations. He made all these pro- public proclamations that this was all being looked at and they would go to the mat to see if there was any voter fraud. And now through his own words, he's admitted. In his book. In his book that that never occurred. It never Those happened. Those investigations never were done. And uh, so... Bill Barr's statements were used against John Eastman because, in fact, that was very damning evidence because um, the people going against Eastman were citing the Attorney General of the United States says there's no voter fraud Mm -hmm. and therefore you are lying. And this is shocking, really, that that uh, Mm. that Bill Barr would do that uh, because we we thought we could trust him. Where were we wrong? He turns out to be just as much a part of the swamp as just any creature we could mention. And he did more damage than most because we did trust him. I didn't trust him in that because I knew better. But uh, by the time he got to that point, I was like scratching my head. I remember that day that came out. He makes this statement. I thought, what are you talking about? What about Georgia? What about Arizona? What about happened in Pennsylvania? What about Wisconsin? I watched long hours of those hearings where people were presenting evidence after evidence. It was it was jaw-dropping, and he had the audacity, he had the audacity, the hubris, to declare there was no problem with that election. And, you know, I think that uh, gets to the nut of what we're facing here, of the intimidation of attorneys on the, on the side of conservatives. Because I can't tell you what Bill Barr's thoughts are, but I can speculate, and I can tell you that he has children that are involved in the legal profession. He's in it himself. And he's reading the tea leaves and going, you know, Trump's going to lose here. 
And I don't want to, I hate this term, but he, they always say it, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history, <laughs> and I don't want to be ostracized by my peers. And I can tell you, you know, a lot of us make attorney jokes, and uh, we don't have much compassion for them because we we figure most of them are rich and privileged and that. But let me tell you, if you ever are convicted of or uh, accused of a crime by the government, you are looking at the full weight of the justice system coming against you. And I'm telling you, if you try to fight it on your own, good luck. You need someone to help you. And if the ultimate effect of what's going on towards John Eastman and others comes to fruition, there will not be people that will help you when the government comes against you. We will become a system that when a prosecutor decides he wants to take you out, he can take you out and no one is going to step up for you. You know, that's uh, we have living proof of that, Bruce, because the J6, the guys that are stranded in the stranded, that's too kind, they're in the the D.C. Gulag and the Northern Neck Prison. Uh, they've had a hard time. Nobody wants to defend them, very few. Uh, and they've been assigned public defenders who are working against them because it's politically correct uh, to be against them, even though you're de- defending them. And so... It's pathetic, and it really does. It really is what you said earlier, a glimpse of what it will. This is the reason the founders came here. This is why they came here. This is why they wrote the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, so you wouldn't have representation and freedom, and you could not be run over by some huge government. It was king in England, but now, like, we're getting more king-like every day. And people are, uh, because the uh, election system has been so corrupted, we are beginning to see that if we don't, bring everything to bear, every resistance, a form of resistance that's legal that we can against what's happening. We will never have a free and fair election, and this will be our future. And so that's really the story of John Eastman. Remember, he has this family. He's got a family, a girl, and he's being stripped. They want to strip him of his law license. That's so dangerous. Imagine if you were a plumber and you couldn't uh, could no longer be a plumber because they took away your license. This happens across the board, and it should not happen because of your political beliefs. That is offensive in every way and so anti-constitutional and so anti-American, dangerous. So let's fight for John while we can. That's a gives and go slash Eastman. I want to, again, thank Preborn for being our sponsor. We could not do this without their help. And I want to remind you that the way they help Women who find themselves in a pregnancy that they don't want for whatever reason, Preborn provides in their clinics ultrasounds for women to actually be able to see their little babies in their wombs moving around. And they can see if they're boys or girls, and they can see them sucking their thumb, and they can see the heartbeat. And when they do that, half of them, at least half, more than half, actually just can't bring themselves to terminating the life. And that's the way they save babies. It's just a wonderful process, and um, I think it's, uh, I believe in what Preborn does. They've done just great work. If you would like to help with that, it's $28 uh, to pay for one ultrasound for one girl or one woman to save one baby's life. That's $28, which, you know, now is uh, pretty, pretty standard. Most people have $28. And you can give any multiple of that, uh, any amount that you can, really, that you can afford to Preborn will help to help these women make the right decision about these babies all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash sandy that's preborn.com slash sandy and make your your most generous donation and by doing that you will help keep us 
uh, at Sandy Rios 24-7 afloat and giving you this uh, information, which I hope is helpful to you. All right, well, listen, thank you so much for listening today. This is Sandy Rios saying goodbye for today. 